You are now listening to Creative Masters. This is the podcast where we interview musicians, photographers, directors, comedians, designers, and other creatives to discuss how they got started, how they got past those bumps in the road, and how they built a career off their creativity. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, and I'm Team Double Machine Masters to bring you Creative Masters. Now let's start the show. What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, a.k.a. Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters Podcast. We're back with another round of episodes. It feels good to be back talking to people, learning more about them, sharing their stories, and hopefully all of these stories become an inspiration for you to go out and achieve your creative dreams in life. So first things first, I want to talk about the Tracking Identity documentary. I dropped a special episode last week talking about that. So basically, um, I went out and I started shooting a documentary on my homie Simon Ill and it's all shot and basically I'm in post-production editing and setting up some events some screening events and things like that um, so if you would please check out our patreon page I'll leave it in the show notes but you can also go to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash tracking identity to check out the page if you want to get the documentary early like an early digital version you can come in and pledge at the ten dollar level and then when we drop the content when we drop the documentary you'll be charged for that we're only going to drop content once, so you're only going to be charged once. So I know Patreon is a like subscription type crowdfunding service, but I just like the platform the best right now, so that's why I went with that. But I'm only going to you're only going to be charged once. So I'm only going to drop the content once. So you guys, again, Patreon.com/slash/trackingidentity. We have the trailers on there, two teaser trailers, as well as a description about the documentary and what the money will be used for. So if you guys will please do that and support the project, we definitely appreciate that. Um, also, I want to bring back, if you guys are listening and you want to submit instrumentals to be featured on the podcast, you can send me an email at creativemasterspodcast at gmail.com. But first, before you do that, what you have to do is head over to iTunes, rate the podcast, and then leave a review. And then let me know in the email along with one or two beats. And then I'll select some beats to be featured on the podcast and give you guys a shout out with that as well. So for this episode, episode 25, we got my man EOM. He's a dope, dope producer out of Maryland. Um, I met him through Wax um, from the LA days. So if you haven't listened to the Wax episode, you can kind of go back and listen to that as well. But we get into a lot of cool things, like how he started making music, his history with that. Also, um, why he just jumped and moved to LA to go pursue music more seriously back in the day, probably like seven years ago or so. Um, we get into like helping out the younger generation and all kinds of dope, cool stuff. It's a very inspirational, very dope episode. So you guys sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 25 with EOM, Elements of Music. Peace. think it's dope for the first episode back that i have him so eom what's going on my dude not much not much thanks for having me again yeah for sure man i appreciate you coming on um so yeah let's just get straight into it so why don't you tell everybody who's listening you know who you are where you're from what you do and then we'll, we'll dig into it from there true my name is eom aka elements of music from virginia and the united states 
I'm basically a music producer slash engineer, most likely known for my stuff with Wax, but more recently, probably the stuff I did with Science and Blue and Asher Roth and maybe uh, um, Anderson Peck. And yeah, just make mad beats. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's just kind of jump into it. Let's start about, let's start back with your early days. Like, what was it like for you, you know, growing up? Um, were you into music back then or like what point in your life did you get involved with music? I think, shoot, probably, uh, I don't even think I was like, I think music was always there because my, my grandfather was a DJ or mm -hmm. is a DJ. So he's always playing music. My grandmother loves music, you know, so probably just since the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I never really, I guess if you could say uh, creating music, that was probably high school. Mm -hmm. So like 2004 or something was when I first picked up like Fruity Loops. Was, I think they were on like 3.5 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's about the, that's about right. So yeah, I was messing with that and I was also playing, you know, keys at the church. Mm -hmm. And that was around the time, like between 2003 and 2004, where I was like, oh, I can actually make, make some music and make it sound cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that time was definitely kind of like a turning point um, in music, especially because, you know, Fruity Loose was getting popping and then Reason came on the scene and stuff like that and started kind of transitioning from hardware to software. So that's really dope. So right. what? how did you come across Fruity Loops? Did somebody, like, pass it off to you? I remember somebody just gave it to me on the seeds, like, here, try this. So, like, how did you – what was your experience of, like, coming across Fruity Loops and, like, making beats for the first time? So <clears throat> you're right. Like, before then, it was, like – you had to get the hardware. Like my first run was a Casio keyboard. Same thing. Yep. <laughs> so I, then you had a little secret store in there, and you had to play like three minutes. If you want a three minute drum beat, you had to play the beat for three minutes. Mm -hmm. So when someone, this dude Anthony Porter, when he it was like some secret society or something, he was like, "Yo, there's something called Fruity Loops. You can just, you know, make a beat on there on your computer." I'm like, "What?" Mm -hmm. So <laughs> just like when computers like twenty gigabytes was a lot. Oh yeah. So for sure. so. Yeah, it was a dude, Anthony Porter, in high school. He gave me this. Shoot, it probably was on the CD. He gave me a CD, and it had he had a bunch of sounds also on another CD. Mm -hmm. And I was I didn't know what I was doing. I know as soon as you load it up, and that little boop or whatever that that noise comes up. Yeah, yeah. And then then you see the the step sequencer with the kick, snare, hi hat, and the crash. And that was I was like, yo, this is this is some futuristic stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely that was definitely the first one. Now let me ask you a question, um, and we'll kind of nerd out on the on the music production side for sure. Let me ask you a question about like the Casio keyboard. Did you ever like use uh, the step sequencer? Nah, like it was all like you would press play or record, and I think there may have been a countdown. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was a countdown, but as soon as you press record, that was it. Yeah, it yeah. was like okay, you can record until you there was no metronome or whatever, and then you just record your keys or your drums or your bass, and you just play it. Three mm -hmm. minutes. You want a 10-minute song, you got to play it for 10 minutes. <laughs> if you mess up, you got to start all the way over and just record again. Yeah, because, see, I remember when I had my Casio, uh, a homie had put me on to the step sequencer, and you literally, it kind of was good for me at the time because I was like, I knew basics about music, but I wasn't, like, playing anything, so you had to go in and like, if you want a note to be like a quarter note, you press the note and then you press like the quarter 
note on the you know in the menu and then if you want to like hi hats to be like you know eighth notes you got to press the hi hat press the eighth note just keep pressing and pressing it and you set up like four bar eight bar like loops and everything and then you can only do like four or five things so it's kind of interesting because when I moved to Fruity Loops, I was like, oh, like I'm doing it's the same thing, but I can actually just see it and I know exactly where to put it. So I was always kind of curious about it when you said that um, you started with that Casio. Yeah, seeing it, using a mouse to make music was like mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. That, that, that whole, it was just, it was something else. It was something else, man. It was, that was some super, to me at least at the time, super futuristic because I was expecting. Oh, I got to get the MPC. Mm-hmm. You know, turntables are still like people still use turntables now, but you know, CDJs were kind of more big mm-hmm. and new, so everything was still like super analog. Yep. And <clears throat> just being able to see, like, oh, I just click here, and then I don't know. It was, just, it was something mad futuristic about it. And right now, it's like not as crazy, yeah. but yeah, for sure. Back then, it was crazy. So let me ask you. I mean, of course, I always think there's no like right or wrong way. To, to make music or anything, but do you think that kind of starting off with more of like an analog background, even just, you know, through the CDJs and turntables and, um, you know, starting there with the Casio keyboard, that kind of helped you understand music a little better than opposed to now, say, if you just started straight out with like Ableton or a machine or something like that? Um, it definitely helped. It, um, like, I don't think someone has to go back to, you know, before they make a car, they got to like make the wheel out of stone in order yeah, yeah. to appreciate the car. But uh, clearly, if you start that at that time where you're doing everything more by ear and less by clicking around with your mouse, you kind of get a feel mm-hmm. for the music for than just looking for something like EQing with ear. Mm-hmm. You get a, a feel for it rather than looking for a waveform. Mm-hmm. So I think you definitely you have a different like blueprint on how you would make music yeah for sure. if you started off an- with analog and of course some of the stuff just sounds different like oh, if yeah. you like there's like the analog keyboards and then obviously like the sp um 1200 and all like once you run things through there it just sounds like warmer and everything mm-hmm. you definitely can you can kind of get that from emulation but it's some like, yeah, some of the same yeah it's something about and plus just touching all that stuff is just different for uh, creation, whereas like someone like Skrillex, who won all them Grammys with the laptop, which is crazy in itself. That's just like that's amazing. But mm-hmm. you know, it's a different experience doing everything on your MacBook versus using some like analog gear. Especially like some of those old samplers and stuff. You can only sample so much, and you got to kind of be resourceful yeah. about like how you go about like making something. So yeah, instead of having like four gigs of RAM, which isn't that much now, but like. If you can sample, I imagine the DJ Premier could sample like 20 minutes of something rather than four seconds from back in the day. It probably like changed the whole game, but yeah, for sure. So, um, how would you compare like those early beats, your first beats, compared to what you're making now? Trash, straight, <laughs> straight trash. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like, it's cringe. I listen to them and it's like just the sounds are whack. Mm-hmm. My mixing game, my mixing. I realized mixing played a big part of it, part in it. Like everything was just loud. Mm-hmm. Just nothing was panned, nothing was lower. I was like, maybe this this sample would come down a little bit, but yeah, it was just trash. Like I can't even listen to some old stuff. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. And um, so uh, 
there's a video circulating um, a few years back, probably like four or five years ago, and it was talking about creative creatives and like the gaps. So like you said, when you first listen to those beats, you're like they were trash, but you also did. Like basically the concept is like when you start making something, you know it's not good, but you know where you want to go with it. And there's like that gap between where you are at that moment and where you want to be and like right. closing that gap and putting that work in. So when you first made those beats where you like you knew, did you like know they were trash, but you're like, I know I can get better at this. Like, how did you kind of approach like closing that gap to get to where you wanted to be? Um, snap. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so. There was a, I, get, I think at first, I was just like trying to sample everything. So anything that, that was like looped right and sounded decent, mm-hmm. I was happy with. It wasn't until I realized how trash I was is when I went to my first beat battle. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like, like nobody was clapping. Nobody was like nodding their head or nothing. Mm-hmm. They were just like blank face like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> so that's when I was like, oh, all those like. I think my first beat battle was like 2006 mm-hmm. in Hampton. It was like beats. Uh, I beat daily, I which is I, I still I get the emails. I still get the emails. <laughs> yeah, so like I went to that joint, and you know I was I was playing beats, and I just long story short, I lost every beat battle I've ever been to, mm-hmm. except my very last one in 2010. So that was that's when I knew I had to change up. Was when I went to Hampton after like two years of making beats. Then two more years of making beats, I was still losing. And then I get to the first round and then lose. So that's pretty much crowd participation saying, like, yo, your beats are kind of cool, but mm-hmm. you ain't passing the first round. Yeah, yeah. And how, how did that make you feel when you were losing those beat battles? Like, what, what did you learn from it? And then, like, how did you move forward from that? Snap. So it didn't make me feel bad. It definitely made me realize, like, like, I can't just be in my room making beats by myself. Like, it's cool to to do it for fun, but mm-hmm. if I'm trying to, like, win battles and everything, I kind of need to make beats a little more hype, be a little more, uh, maybe my kick should kick more. Mm-hmm. Like, it made me start looking at mixing differently. Yeah. Like, pacing. Uh, maybe my beats shouldn't have one-minute intros. <laughs> <laughs> like, you play, like, the whole sample before you actually drop the beats. Yeah, yeah. No, no one I got 45 minute, uh, seconds Second. to play a beat. So it definitely made me look at beats and not just like beats. It made me it like refine my process. Mm-hmm. I was real raw, and then I got way. I just looked at it way differently. I started looking at it like almost like a DJ. Mm-hmm. So yeah, especially when you're it, battling, you do have to approach it because you only have a certain amount of seconds. So you can't have like a thirty second intro and then we're gonna get nah. fifteen seconds of the beat. Like you got to hit them like right out the gate, pretty much. Exactly. But yeah, I do think it's important to um, to just go out and like put yourself out there and get that feedback because if you're not getting the feedback or you're just a small circle of people around you, they're gonna tell you it's dope, and you're not really getting, you know, feedback from people who aren't necessarily who don't know you. You know what I mean? So right. even if it's putting stuff on SoundCloud and asking for it, or back in the day, I used to hit the forums a lot, being a lot of different like beat making forums and stuff. And we just get on there and just like post beats and get the feedback. And it's like sometimes it's stung a little bit, but it's like, well, I can learn from that. So, and then I implement that, you know. So I think that's right, right. important to, to put yourself out there like that. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about um, like L.A. and working with Wax. So how did you link up with Wax and what eventually brought you out to L.A.? So t- 
2008 was when I met Wax. 2007 was when I, I met him, but I was when I met him online. 2008, after we dropped the album, was when I actually met him, like face to face. But um, I heard about him through Facebook. I was in Hampton, and that was when you you had to be in college to get on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> they used to have forums. And there was a forum called Hip Hop Lovers Delight for Life. Mm-hmm. And this dude was posting mad videos of rappers and everything. And there was a wax video called Wax New Crap. And he's in the car just going off. And I, I sat there that night and watched every single one of his videos. I'm like, yo, this dude's from Maryland, from Bal- like the Baltimore area, just mm-hmm. going off. So, yeah, it got on MySpace, hit him up. Hit him up with like 80 beats. <laughs> I had him like every single beat I ever had, like made that was I thought it was dope. Mm-hmm. And he said, nah. He was like, nah, I'm good. I'm working on my... Uh, my solo joint, because he just released the Grizzly Season album with Level T. So, yeah, so I, I sent him 80 beats. He said no, and then I finally sent the Larry, I think it was the Adventures of Larry and Tina beat, and that's when, that was the joint that sold him. He was like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. So then we made that song. Eventually, it turned into Liquid Courage that dropped November 2008. And then I met him in November in San Diego, him and his brother, mm-hmm. in 2008. And then we did an open mic where we did uh, one of the raunchiest songs we have. I think it's um, Last Resort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was at some open mic bar, and it was, it was crazy. It was Not a lot of people were there, but the first day I met him, we performed. And then uh, I know we also did the album cover, so I guess I, I did meet him before the album. Mm-hmm. But... um. Yeah, and that was it. And I didn't move in, into L.A. Into, until 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. I mean, he got that call about Def Jam. So we were working, we did everything, like, uh, we did Red and all that stuff, and then Def Jam gives him a call, gives me a call looking for him. Oh, <laughs> and they're like, yo, where, where's, I'm thinking, oh, I'm about to get signed. Yeah, but they're yeah. like, no, nah, we're actually looking for Wax. But, uh, <laughs> and then, so yeah, he gets the call, I hit him up. I'm like, yo, um, I can just come out there and make beats for you and just, you ain't got to pay for them. Mm-hmm. So being that we only met maybe like a few times, the fact that he was like, yo, you can just crash here. That's, that was, that meant a lot. He definitely hooked me up. And then, yeah, ever since then, I was, uh, yeah, I just stayed out there for like five years. Came back like 2014, I think. Nice. And what made you, uh, just say, hey, I'm just going to move across the country and do this. Like, What was it inside of you that was this, like something that kind of nudged you and be like, I should just go do this. I'm only going to live once. Like what what kind of like motivated you to just say, hey, I'm going to go across the country and do this? Uh, dang. Besides him getting signed, that was like a, you know, like a big sign. Like, hey, you're like Def Jam, the to like birth not the birthplace of hip-hop but like it's a big hip-hop cornerstone yeah for sure that was a big sign and also i had a a mushroom moment where i <laughs> where it was like hey uh i just through my trip at one point i had like a musical epiphany that something told me music will take me wherever i need to go mm-hmm. this is when i was feeling real lost at one point and so i just went hard with music and that was just a big push. And I was like, you know, if I'm about to graduate, 
I don't want to regret anything, so I just went out there. Worst case scenario, I was only supposed to stay for one year and ended up staying like four or five years out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's um, it's really interesting to like tap into like whether it's like a mushroom moment or whatever, you know, or even if it's just through meditation of just like what you're supposed to be doing, like when you get that sign to really just follow it and just go with it. Cause I found, I mean, personally that it always just like kind of works out. And I mean, as you know, like I'm working on a documentary and the whole idea for that came from just like some meditation. Like I was meditating and the idea came and then I just did it and it just expanded to what it's expanding to, you know? So did you th- right. did it? Do you feel like the same thing happened for you with music? Like you just like you had the moment, you did it, and then it just kind of expanded and it took a life of its own. Oh yeah. So I was I went from like I said losing battles to you know thinking my beats were trash, and now all of a sudden you know I won the Juno mm-hmm. over that. Uh, I think I can't remember what year that was. It was when uh, So Far Gone came out for Drake. Like, like we won. Yeah. Two, yeah. yeah. So me and Shad, Shad's album TSOL, Shad K, won the Juno over Drake. So I'm thinking like, what? Or and then there's the stuff with Chameleon Air, mm-hmm. where he jacked the beat from um, some Sunday in the City or Summer in the City, or doing the joint with Blue, doing the joint with Asher Roth, you know, the cosign from Knots. It's like, I kept on making music, even though I kept getting better, I kept meeting people. Like, my, I was traveling the world. Like, it wasn't all that from just someone handing me that CD of Fruity Loops. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was definitely, like, nothing at, nothing at any point was like, yo, you should probably stop making beats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. And let me ask you, because I've been also thinking about this a lot here recently. Like, I guess I, it's a question, but also, like, what would you say to someone who's listening who's, you know, 18... 19 whatever trying to like get into production and things like that like what would you say like about the journey like do you think it's about the destination or do you think it's about the journey shoot um i don't even think i know what the destination is so i say it would it would be (laughs) for me it would be more like the journey like i thought i knew what i wanted like what i thought i wanted when i was graduating college Mm -hmm. like that was so short-sighted compared to what like I, I would want for myself now mm-hmm. so i say someone's like young like 18 or something making music or doing anything creative it's just to just get it while you're young like when you still get all that energy mm-hmm. just do that stuff full force because you don't got most likely you don't got no bills you probably don't have any any kids any yep. like wives or, or husbands you know and you may not have any debt if you didn't go to college yet. Mm-hmm. Perfect time to just be like, let me just put a year into this and see what happens. Yep. And but you got to go. You can't do it half ass. You, you got to like, if you're going to do it, you got to just go all the way in and try to be the best you can be. Like learn about your craft as much as possible. So yeah, it's definitely more the journey. But as long as you have an idea of what you want to accomplish, you know that can keep on changing and the journey will be ongoing. But yeah, I think it's kind of important to not be like, you have a direction you want to go in, but not to be super strict and be open for other possibilities to come in, you know? Cause I mean, right. I, I even think about like when I was living in LA, I think I was, sometimes I was too, 
just strict in my mind of what I wanted that I might have missed out on opportunities because I didn't think that it would take me to where I thought I wanted to go. You know, right. so I think it's important to just kind of just like make movements towards where you want to go. You know, every step is a step towards where you're trying to get to, but also be open that if the path changes, that that's that's okay. And also that you don't have to always just do one thing in life. You know, like I found that now being 34 as opposed to 24 when I was like living in LA, it's just like a, you don't, you can do different things in life. You know what I mean? So you can do this for a while and then that can spin into something else and that can spin into something else. So I think it's always important to kind of keep that openness when you, when you're making moves and, and working towards something for sure. Yeah, I definitely, I missed out on a lot of opportunities. Um, because I was like, EOM makes bad beats. That's all EOM does. Make I make beats. I don't. It's straight hip hop. I was all like super hip hopped out. I wasn't trying to do any pop stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had opportunities when Wes was in Dev Jam to send beats to people, and I would just send them like, oh, I don't want to do any 808 stuff. I only want to work with the, you know, Jada Kiss or something like that. And then I ended up not getting beats to anybody except Wax. And obviously the homies like dumbfounded and all them, but like something like that. I also had like opportunities where someone was like, yo, you should learn how to edit video mm-hmm. because that's a skill that can get you into this place. And maybe you can get your music mm-hmm. on someplace in YouTube or something. And then four years later, my friends are in a part of like maker studios, which ended up being, they were with not steady and then not steady, but or maker, but not steady than Disney Bart Maker. Mm-hmm. So it was like all these opportunities I could have been involved in, but because I was still focused on beats, now I'm like, obviously I do more things than just make beats, but mm-hmm. back then I could have been flexing my skills on like getting better at maybe taking pictures or mm-hmm. behind the scenes video or editing footage, Photoshop, any, anything else, anything that's creative, mm-hmm. I could have like had my hand in, but I was stubborn. Yeah. So that kind of segues into uh, two different things I want to ask. So I guess first, like you recently got into photography, like what was your uh, thought process behind that? Well, the main thing is I was, when I was in LA, I was always working with this crew, Intense Imagination, and that's AK, Andrew Kaczynski, Casey Chan, Jayon, mm-hmm. Was Good, Jay Tozan, and Wax. Yep. And all those guys, they make videos for Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, T-Pain, Trey Songs, and you name it. You name it, like, they probably did the videos. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I was I was doing the sound for 2 Chains and um, Juicy J, a zip and a double cup. Like, we're doing videos like that, but they they all went to Full Sail, and they were just amazing photographers, directors, and seeing them set up the shot and just seeing them set everything up, I was like, I want to take photos. I want to do something with photos because mm-hmm. it's just dope. It's just dope to capture a moment and then it's, it's there forever mm-hmm. for everyone to see. So what stopped me was the price. <laughs> Same here. Yep. <laughs> so I'm looking at cameras they're using like the reds and all that. And these are just like mainly for, for video. Mm-hmm. But even so like the, the glass for everything is just, it's just mad expensive. I wasn't trying to drop a thousand dollars or more on a camera. So eventually I was like, yo, this stuff ain't going to get any cheaper unless I just get like a used joint that I can like learn on. Mm-hmm. And that's when I finally just broke down and got the, that Sony RX 100, mm-hmm. the, the third make the third, uh, 
edition of it, and I love it. Like it's, it's just it's better than always taking my phone now and trying to take a picture. Like I get more hands on with it, mm-hmm. but I can also like set it to auto if I'm like, yeah, let me just get this right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you. Um, so like getting into photography, and you even mentioned that like back in the day you were a little bit of, you stubborn about like learning Photoshop and editing video and things like that. But now that you're like into photography, have you found that it opens up? Does it have you found it like makes your brain think a little bit differently? And then when you go back to music, it kind of helps you be more creative in music. Yeah, I think I'm more. I'm still learning from people like that I know that do photography, but um. Instead of, I'm basically more likely to not listen, not read any books, because uh, they say, a lot of my friends are saying, since you didn't go, I didn't go to school for it or anything, I have the perfect, like, brain for it. I can just learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find a word for it, but I can, I'm not brainwashed into thinking this is what a picture is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Like, things are, it's supposed to sound like this, it's supposed to look like this. So, I'm kind of not... I look at things like the the rule of thirds and knowing what aperture is and stuff like that, the basics. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. But everything else, I'm just like, does this look good to me? Mm-hmm. And then I take a picture and then I take notes on what, what, why these are my favorite pictures. And I try to emulate that instead of like what I did with Beast. Like, oh, I want to sound like Timbaland. Mm-hmm. Like, so I just do that until like I'm happy with it. And I keep emulating until I make my own sound. Now I'm just kind of like... Figuring out, figuring out on my own in a sense. Yeah, and I think that's. The, I think it's. I mean, of course, there's no right or wrong way to learn how to do something, but at least for me, I think that that's the way to go about it. It's just like you look at pictures on Instagram and you're like, "How did they do that?" And then you do your research and you find what presets they use, or you find out what tools they use, and you look, figure out how to do it, and then you see something else that you like, oh, I like the way they did that, and you figure that out, and then eventually you just start taking little bits and pieces from all of these different influences, and it kind of morphs into your own look, or if you're doing video, right. or you're doing music, it morphs into your own sound, so I mean, I think there's a lot of value in approaching something like that, instead of like going going to, I mean, you know, you can still learn to go to school and everything and the technical side, but sometimes it's just like it's it is kind of like what you said, like they were saying it's like one way to do it or something like that. But it's like when you're just exploring and being hands on, I think it opens the door for like a lot of creativity. Right. Because when I just to use the music as an example again, like when I'm, if it wasn't DJ Premier, Boom Bap type stuff, it wasn't like real hip hop music to me. Now it's like, now it's just way a long time ago. I was all about the five elements of hip hop, mm-hmm. you know, just <laughs> super hard representing. But now it's like, as long as it's dope. And if it looks dope, if it sounds dope, and, yeah, I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, dope is dope, right? (laughs) Right. All right, so let's move into um, some kind of different topics. So what – I'm a real big person, like, on a growth mindset. I know, like, you you always kind of comment on some of the stuff that I post online, like articles and and, uh, podcasts and stuff like that. So what are some of the things that you do to just grow as a person and grow creatively, to grow in life? Hmm. I do try to read more, like read, um, read, hey, I have a, I'm blanking on, on um, books. You gave me a book recently that was dope, that was by Tony Robbins. Uh, but basically, I try to... Shakeable. Right. Like, 
that like I, I just try to anything I'm interested in, I try to learn more about. Mm-hmm. But um, recently, it's been been more podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to all of Combat Jack's podcasts from the very beginning to the I'm all the way caught up mm-hmm. and learning about the hip hop history. Yeah, like, dope. his podcast is dope. Yo, like it's it was I was amazed at some of the things like there's a lot of stuff I obviously I didn't know, but it was just little things how things happen and like that just it was just like emphasize things in my life like yo don't take these even these small moments could have big impacts mm-hmm. later on so i just been like just trying to learn more trying to you know slow down and like treat people like humans mm-hmm. instead of like uh i think there was a i think there's a lot of stuff you've been posting i think mainly to join with um tim ferris he was saying he said something about being unrushed mm-hmm. and recently that's been like uh that's been i don't know that's a, that's been a, a key word in my life recently just trying not to obviously when you're looking at time a different way and you're rushing you make a lot of mistakes you may treat people differently yep. but when you slow down you're like yo just take take note of everything i hope that answers your question basically i just i just listen to podcasts listen to music uh and try to just be more more present. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, and let me ask you this, I guess, to c- kind of circle back on that topic mixed in with photography. Have you found that, like, now that you're, like, in the photography, that even just walking around, doing whatever, that you kind of, like, slow down and just kind of take in your surroundings more? I do. I also got to walk slow in general because of my lung condition. So, like, even that, that in itself, even though it's it's, like... It's terrible, like what's happening, but um, it's causing me to literally slow down, mm-hmm. and that also helps, you know, with the photography in general. But also, just just carrying a camera with you can get you in places that I would have never got into. Mm-hmm. They see me with a camera, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you're right." You know, you know, <laughs> they let me go into places. It's just like when you're DJing, you carry in that. Well, I mean, it's not breakers, but you carry your DJ bag. They'll be like, oh, yeah, he's good. He can, he can get in there. Mm-hmm. So access. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what, you know, I kind of always ask the same question on, on every episode because I always get different answers. And, of course, there's no right or wrong answer. So, you know, what is your definition of success? Like in the past, you know, kind of just through media, TV, film, all that kind of stuff has always been like, you know, a lot of money, big house, big cars, blah, blah, blah. But. Now it seems like people are a little bit more interested in figuring it out for themselves. So what is your, uh, how would you define success? Probably being happy. Mm -hmm. I would say, uh, how do you you get there? Just being happy with being comfortable and appreciative of everything Mm -hmm. or almost everything, like as much as possible. But, um, like the main thing, I'd be happy if I can like crush my debt. That's like the main that in my health is just the main thing going on. Like there's nothing I don't really got anything to be sad about. Mm-hmm. You know, I did I I like all the, the childhood dreams I had, like I did them. Mm-hmm. Besides, you know, going into space or something like that. But like I did like all the traveling, I did the all the music stuff, I did it all. So like I'm I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I don't really yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Like, I, I think I got there already. Now it's just kind of like sharing it with people, mm-hmm. answering questions. Like, I've been helping a lot of people, younger dudes in Hampton, 
um, who are producing, just trying to get them on the right track, telling them what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's making me happy. It's just like, I guess it's giving back and, uh, yeah, just continue to make music. That stuff makes me happy. Yeah. And that's really dope what you said. Cause I was kind of in the same boat. So I'm kind of curious on how you moved on from, like you said that you basically, a lot of stuff that you wanted to do that you've done. So when you, when you got there, like to that, and that kind of goes back on the journey versus the destination thing. So when you got to the point to where you did most of the things that you wanted to do, like what was going through your mind then? And then how did you decide to move forward from there to like start helping out younger cats and giving back and things like that? I knew once, once I went to, Repeat that question one more time. <laughs> All right. So, so basically, you said like you did everything that you wanted to do, like from when you were a child, right? So that was kind of like a, those things where you can say it was kind of like a destination. So when you got there, like how did you decide to like what was going through your mind when you got there, and then how did you decide to go about like helping out other people and and kind of teaching the next generation and things like that? So, I think I got to that point. I want to say we were at, me and Wax. We're in Copenhagen, mm-hmm. and I never been there ever. Like I only been there once, obviously. But like, I was mic checking, and I just said "yo" into the mic, and everyone started chanting "EOM." You couldn't see me. I'm behind the curtain, and the fact that I'm in a different country, mm-hmm. that was the most hype anyone's ever got for me personally. And like, I was there with Watsky, Wax, mm-hmm. and they were hype. My DJ said they were hype. It was like I was the main person. That, like, they were there to see me, and I felt like I was headlining. Mm-hmm. But once I did that, I was like, yo. And then, like, yeah, once that happened, I was like, this is it. I, I, anything else is just bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, I would just have to do, like, uh, Madison Square Garden or something. Like, But I still accomplished my dreams. So mm-hmm. it was interesting because right after that, Dumb was doing the Knock Steady stuff. Knock Steady. Dumbfounded, he was doing um, basically this program where he gets back to kids mm-hmm. in Koreatown that are not less fortunate, but like they're just at risk. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yo, you want to teach people how to make beats and all that stuff? And that's when I realized, yo, I could like do the stuff I love and then turn right around mm-hmm. and teach these kids, this is a kick, this is a snare, <laughs> and then uh, teach them how to use Ableton, how to install it. And start basically from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And like, I never had that, but these kids were coming to see me because I'm EOM. And that was just crazy. Like, I could do that. I could, I could, all the things I learned, I could just give back like that. And um, ever since then, that's what I've been doing. Like, I've been, anytime people on Instagram hit me up and I'm like, yo, how do I, what, in, what um, instruments should I use? Or what software should I use? I'll give them the most detailed email, mm-hmm. no matter how many times people hit me up. I always answer all those emails like, yo, I could never reach out to DJ Premier and do this. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, just the fact that like they're moved by my music and they think they can reach me like that, and they can, Like I take advantage of them and be like, yo, here's the things I wish someone told me at the beginning, yep. and, and you know, go forth, make beats. Yeah, and I think that, I think that it's... Um... I think that it's important to do that. You know what I mean? Like, because I've always been the same way too. If somebody hits me up and asks me how to do something, like, I'll always give them the details, you know? And then, 
because there's been stuff even with like film like even with like documentary stuff like i've hit i've hit some people up and like they didn't get back to me and i was like well damn like i gotta do it myself and then now people asking me how i'm doing it and i'll tell them you know what i mean like i'm learning right. just like you are so i'll share you i'll share with what i know and we can kind of progress and move forward together same with like photography as well so i do think it's very important to um to give back and, and share what you what you know for sure um so what's next for EOM? What are, what are you up to? What's the what's the future looking like for you? I mean, I say this every year. I, I keep saying I got a whole bunch of music I'm about to drop, but <laughs> uh, this is the first year where I'm like, like everything's. I'm looking at finished projects, mm-hmm. and they're all about to come out. And the main one, I got some coming out this April, April 25th, called Blockwork, and it's an instrumental series, 118 beats. Over five volumes. Yep. Damn. All right, all right. <laughs> so, so it, but it's not all on, you know, it's not going to come out all on April 25th. It'll be, yeah, yeah. so five volumes over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. So April, it'll probably be done April next year. And it's a beat for every element on the periodic table. Nice. Since that's how I came up with my name. Nice, nice. So that's one. Another one is this anime that me and Brian Yoon thought of like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And finally started getting it animated. That should be done hopefully in May. And then I did the music for that. And then there's going to be a beat tape for that, for that universe. Mm-hmm. Then I got another joint where I'm rapping. And it's it's kind of like Sun Rain, but just like more EOM rap tracks. Mm-hmm. Maybe like four. And that one's called EO Flim. And that's like the working title at the, at the time. Yeah, yeah. And then the main project... I'm, happy, I'm super excited about besides that periodic table joint is this dude Billy Mercury out of Hampton he's a uh, he's ill he just he can sing he's a dude from the church he can rap and he's just ill like I don't know how else to, I don't know how else to, to describe him just look up Billy Mercury Hampton Virginia and he has a few things up there but hopefully we'll have his project done in math it's getting master right now so hopefully it'll be out by the springtime. Mm-hmm. <coughs> All right, that's dope. That's dope. And where can we uh, find you on online, Twitter, Instagram, everything? So even we did this last time. I still haven't stepped up my search engine optimization up. So it's Twitter is just at EOM underscore. Instagram is at EOM underscore. And then I think my Facebook is EOM.com. Like E-O-M-D-O-T-C-O-M. Mm-hmm. I think I don't really I don't really get on Facebook anymore, so I don't really I should utilize it. There's a lot of people on there, and I just I just get that message saying there's six thousand people that haven't heard from you in six months. So yeah, yeah, but, you should you should probably do that then, especially with the projects coming out. <laughs> right. So those are like the main places where like I always answer tw- Twitter and Instagram. All right, that's what's up, my man. Well, I appreciate you coming back onto the podcast. I'm, I'm again, I apologize for last time and technical difficulties, but I think this episode still really dope and people are going to get a lot from it. So I appreciate you, my man. Hey, thank you. Appreciate right. it. So everybody, this is nobody famous. This is the creative masters podcast until next time. Peace. So there you have it. That was episode 25 of the creative masters podcast featuring EOM. Y'all be sure to check him out on Instagram and Twitter, follow his SoundCloud, follow his Bandcamp. He has a lot of dope music. As usual, you guys, please share, rate, like, subscribe to the podcast. If you know somebody who's trying to make a living off their creativity, these last 25 episodes has definitely 
got a lot of great information and keys to success in doing that. The podcast can be found on Instagram at Creative Masters Podcast, or you can go to the website, creativemasterspodcast.com. I can be found at Nobody Famous on Instagram and Twitter. And you guys, please check out the trailers for the Tracking Identity documentary. I think it's going to be a very dope project. You guys are going to get a lot of inspiration from it on the musical side, on the life side. And it kind of coincides with this podcast as well. So I would appreciate if you guys go check it out. And if you want to get an advanced copy of it, definitely pledge um, to get that in the summer. Until next time, this is Nobody Famous. Peace.